Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Hello everyone. Very welcome. Um, I'm glad to see that you know none of us froze on our way here. It was really, really chilly this morning. You did. Well, you survived. You struggled. Today we are concluding our journey through the book of Esther. And uh, I'm pretty sure none of us really knew how much intrigue was in this book. If we go through the book, it's like reading a plot. The days of our lives, for those who can remember that. And Shortland Street and the crown all rolled into one. We've got this orphan girl. We've got a faithful cousin that's adopting her and raises her. The poor man never marries. There's commoners. There's palaces. Uh, We've got parties and wine that flows and people that do all sorts of stupid things. The royalty puts out all sorts of decrees that put people in danger. We've got this beautiful girl named Esther, a murderous plot or two. Mordecai is our uh, amateur 007, and he uncovers an attempt on the king's life. Got a bad guy, Haman, who tries to kill Mordecai and all of the Jews, a mere annihilation of the Jewish people. And then in the nick of time, God steps in powerfully and um, he just turns this whole thing on its head. And instead of the Jews being killed, they end up victorious. Yeah, the bad guys lose. The good guys win. Our hero Mordecai ends up being second only to the king himself. Now, in the kingdom of Persia, that is... All of the Middle East stretches from parts of Egypt through to the whole Middle East. That was a big piece of country. Everyone ends up doing, you know, pretty okay. The book of Esther, well, except for Haman, he's not so okay. The book of Esther is full of exciting, sometimes scary, and quite often very challenging moments. And although the king and the higher-ranking officials play their part in this whole story, our main characters are actually just two very common people. They were so ordinary that they could have been our neighbors. They could be sitting next to us here in church, and we would not have even noticed. They were not of royal blood. They weren't highly connected. They didn't hold important political positions. They weren't famous. They were just run-of-the-mill, average Jewish people. And yet those two very average people is exactly who God used to save the Jewish people and to bring a whole change to the kingdom of Persia. I guess sometimes we feel... Like, we're a bit too ordinary for God to really to be able to use us. I mean, who are we? We're just small, little, single nobodies. I'm just me. I don't know a lot of people. I can't do this. I can't do that. 
God has so many other people that's taller and handsomer and skinnier and prettier and younger. There's always excuses. And even if there was opportunity for me to say something or do something, I'm probably going to fall flat on my face because, you know, I'm going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, and therefore we're scared. And then we keep silent. So today is a day for a challenge. Today I want to challenge the way in which we live our lives. The way in which you see yourself and the place that you play in God's plan. Not just for you, but for his people in general. We've been reading about Esther and Mordecai. And we saw how these two very normal Jewish people were instrumental in saving the lives of all the Jews. It was God's plan all along to save his people. It's his divine will that they be kept safe. And therefore we know that their salvation was at hand. We know that God can save the whole world. But the thing is, we know this because we see the end of the story already. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We know that no plan that any king or any government can bring against God's people will be able to stand because when God takes the battle up on our behalf, victory is assured. We know that Esther and Mordecai were safe all along. We know the end of the story. But the beginning was a lot of stepping up when God called them and a lot of stepping out to obey in the call. Both Mordecai and Esther had to step out of their comfort zone in order to enact God's plan. And both of them had to step up when God called them and to get involved. They did not back down. Esther even at one stage said, if I perish, I perish. We know it wasn't necessarily easy for them to do this. Haman plotted to kill Mordecai. And not just Mordecai, Haman threw his toys way out of the cot and just like, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill everyone that you know, I'm just going to kill your whole race. So it wasn't easy. Mordecai could have turned around and he could have run away. He could have packed his bag on his donkey and out of there. But he chose to stay. He chose to hear God's call. And he became involved in God's plan for God's people. God often uses unlikely people to take up unlikely roles. We don't need to be in a high and mighty position in government to make a difference. We just need to be willing to make a difference. If God needs us to be second to Jacinda and government to be able to get a job done, I suggest you prepare for a job in politics because that's where you're going. Mordecai understood that God's plan for his people would come to fruition no matter what he himself personally did. God's plan is not going to stop simply because we don't step up. It will still happen. 
God can use us. He can also use other people. He will find a way. God will make it happen. Even if I chicken out. God's plans are bigger than us. It's bigger than our fears. And it's bigger than our doubts. And it's bigger than our failures. But we're not called to chicken out. We're called to take part in the action. To stand up. God invites us to be part of this plan. He wants us to partner with him and to play an active role in heralding in the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And isn't that what we pray? Let your will be done on earth as in heaven. Is it not our God's will in heaven that every single person on earth should come to him? Should it not be ours as well? Should we not be equally enthused about the prospect of getting every single person that we meet, everyone we come across, to get them to church one way or another? Are we not part of the manner in which God's will should be done here on earth? The challenge for us is to step up like Mordecai and step up like Esther did, to become active and to participate in God's plans. So my question at the moment is, how involved are you planning to let your faith be in your personal life? What about your public life? And what about your professional life? Some people like to compartmentalize things. Different aspects of their life, all nice and separate. Don't like them to mix. What happens at work stays at work. What happens at home stays at home. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And God, well, he stays nice and cozy right in church where he belongs. You see, some people have a really nice and balanced attitude. They work, faith, home, public life, everything just, you know, integrates. And God features a little bit in all of them. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's got its little, little nuances where you'll see God sort of, you know, like sprinkles on a cake. A little bit here, a little bit there. Not all over the place, but just enough. But to be truly successful in partnering with God, to be truly active in God's plan for humanity, means that we have to radically rethink how we see life itself. If we are to truly allow God into our lives 24-7, and not just every now and again, not just like sprinkles, if we are going to be open to God's voice and waiting on him, if we are waiting for him to use us, that circle of faith is going to have to stretch, going to have to get way bigger. Our world view of what our faith is needs to change. Everything that we see, everything that we do, Every conversation we have, 
every smile, every frown, every action, every thought needs to originate from within a point of faith. Only when God is invited into every single second of our lives can he use us inside of each of those moments. If, for instance, your worldview is based on finances and the thing that matters the most to you, how much money do I have? How much more can I make? When's the next deal coming through? What can I do to get a raise, get an income, get a bigger portion of whatever? Then eventually everything you say and do will be motivated by money. If your worldview is based on your own importance, how you appear, your actions, the people you choose to speak to, the people you choose to mingle with, all of that will be motivated by how you see yourself. We are called to view the world through the eyes of Jesus. We are called to be influencers of the culture that we are in, be it the global culture, the work culture, the school culture, doesn't matter. Wherever we find ourselves, we are called to speak up. Esther spoke up. We are called to speak up. We are called to speak into our children and our grandchildren's lives, just like Mordecai did. And even as Esther was growing up, he was constantly instructing her. And then when she grew up and she was moving away and into the palace, he didn't stop. It said that he was kind of hanging around the palace just to constantly check on her. Is she okay? And give her some wisdom. Now, at that stage, she was well taken care of. She was in the palace. She was pampered, living in luxury. Every single need was seen to. And Mordecai pretty much wasn't necessary anymore. But he also knew that even though all of her physical things were being taken care of, she was living in a godless place. And the danger and temptation was all around her all the time. Just like our children and some of your grandchildren will be. Just like he knew danger was lurking, so we know danger is lurking. So we are called to keep on praying for our children, our grandchildren, our friends. And we have to keep on giving them good Godly advice. Uh, this does not mean to get up all in their business and for them to then, you know, want to go like, oh, I'm just not even going to listen to Ivy today. But we have to be present. We have to be praying. We have to be guiding. We have to be listening. We are called to function in our society, at work, at the gym, wherever you are, in such a way that God's light within us shines through and that it lights up the world around us. I'm sure most of you would have heard this saying, we may be the closest thing to Jesus that someone else will encounter today. So let us then be the best representation of Jesus that we can and we counter all the bad things that are said in the world. In the story of Esther, Haman was upset that Mordecai would not bow to him. So he founded a council, brought all of his friends together. And from his wise friends, he said, what should I do with this man that doesn't want to bow to me? 
and all of his wise friends gave him some counsel and said, have him killed. Not just him, have the whole lot of them killed. If we don't speak into the lives of our children, someone else will. If we are not going to be their wise counsel, someone else will be. If we don't speak into our neighborhoods, into our towns, into our workplaces, someone else will. The difference lies between the words they use versus the words we're going to use. The seeds they sow versus the seeds we're going to sow. In Esther 4, verse 13, we read Mordecai's words. And he said, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for God's people will arise from another place. Like I said earlier, God's plans are bigger than our failures and our worries and our fears. But we are still called to step out of those things. If we see injustices, we are called to get involved. We are called to speak out against the wrongs in the world and not just to sit on the sideline. God can use anyone to get the job done. But sometimes... You are in the most perfect place at the most perfect time. And yes, he can use someone else to get to a specific person. But if you're already there and the situation is perfect, you know, he can use you in a mighty way. And through using everyday run-of-the-mill people just like us, God can save a whole nation. God makes us stronger than we think. He's already prepared moments in advance for us to step into, to work as his agents, and to influence the people that we come into contact with. So in Ephesians 2.10 we read, For we are called, or for we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, for which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if we slip up today and I didn't take that step, that's all right, there's another one coming and another one. And God is patiently waiting for us to take that step. And just like a little bubble, that, you know, the first step is faltering and we might kind of land on our bum and then we get up again. Same thing, just keep going, keep going, keep practicing. We are called for such a time as this. We are called for God's purpose, and we are called to herald in God's kingdom. The question is, what does this look like in a practical manner for us here and now? It's all good and well knowing what Mordecai and Esther had to do, but none of us are living in a palace. None of us are second to Jacinda yet, so there's a couple young people, they might get there. Um, and we can't currently rewrite laws like Mordecai was able to do. So what can we do? The thing is, once we decide to take up this challenge, once we decide to partner with God in his purpose and bring his kingdom towards this world, we just need to do what they did. They saw a need, and they started off by praying. So first of all, if there's a need, go pray about it. Don't just storm into it. Pray. Make sure that God is walking this way with us. Let us ask God to show us what he wants us to do. 
and to put the right words in our mouths, you know, when we meet the people. And then after we prayed, let us then go and actively look for these things that we can do. Um, it could be small things. Do you have a neighbor? As someone may be lonely, have you not seen them out and about quite a lot? Then go visit them, say hello, have a cup of coffee. And when you leave, maybe just end the conversation with, well, I hope God richly blesses you this week. Just start the conversation. Maybe, I mean, we all know it is really cold at the moment, so maybe you've got a spare blanket or two that no one's using. Facebook's got all these lovely things like pay it forward and hunt leaf, buy and sell and free and I don't know whatever. Go and put it up there and just say, hi guys, I've got a couple of spare blankets. If anyone needs one, let me know. And when someone does reply and say, yes, please, can I have some? Then don't just go and let, oh yeah, here's a blanket. Take the blanket, but take a moment. Write a little note. On the note, just say, you know, I hope God blesses you with this. If you, you know, ever want to know more, there's a whole bunch of really happy and friendly people out at Huntley Baptist. Hope to see you Sunday. Sermon starts at 10. There's coffee and cookies after. It doesn't really matter what we do. Just any small little thing that we can find, any opportunity that we can reach out and that we can step into people's worlds and then, you know, make a difference. Everywhere we go, every conversation we have, every chance encounter, actively seek out the moments that we can permeate the world around us with God's word. Make sure that we plant seeds. Let's all become farmers. Plant seeds everywhere we go. When we live our lives according to God's plan, with faith as our foundation, as our worldview, when we are prayerfully listening and obeying God, we allow him to be the author of everything that we do. He becomes the author of our life story. When we live outside of God's will, we end up with a pen in our hand. And we are the author ourselves. And then sometimes we get so involved in other people's business or allow them to become so involved in ours that we actually hand the pen over to them and they start writing our story. And yeah, you never quite know what someone else has got planned for you. When God himself is writing our story, we know for a fact that the chapter is going to be interesting, a little bit scary, a little bit challenging, but man, there's going to be some powerful breakthroughs in there. If we write our own chapters, probably a 50-50 on whether it's going to go good or bad. But the thing is, when we hand the pen to other people, that's when it's scary. If we hand it to someone here that we know that's sowing into our lives, good chance it's going to be a good chapter. Someone out there Maybe not. If you meet your own Haman somewhere in your life, there's, there's going to be a chance of some really bad chapters ending up in your life, and we really don't want that. So my question is, who is writing your life story? Are you in charge of the pen? Have you given it to God? Or is it floating about somewhere? Maybe we need to get that pen back. Maybe we need to start making the choices of what we're going to allow in our lives 
and what we are going to choose to do. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to get involved? Are you ready to hand this pen back over to God? And are you going to change from being a passive bystander to being an active participant? I really want to challenge everyone today to choose faith as your worldview, the thing that you look at everything with, kind of like putting rose-colored glasses on. Everything looks different. Everything's got a tinge of pink on it. Everything needs to have a tinge of Jesus on it. Make sure that God is the foundation and that everything we say and do is based and grounded in him. So let us then boldly step forward, fully trusting in God and knowing that he is all-powerful. And then ask him to prayerfully, you know, show us the way in which we can bring his love and his hope and his salvation to Huntley, to the Waikato, to the greater environment wherever we are. Let us not check it out. And if we do, if we take those first little faltering steps and we land on our bum, let us get up and try again and try again until we succeed. My challenge for us is that, you know, the Great Commission is where Jesus said, go out and make apostles of all the people, including the ones you don't like. doesn't matter. He didn't say just the pretty ones. didn't say just the ones that you already know. He said all the people. Let us honor God in doing what he told us to do. Let us step up and let us step out. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, please help to open our ears and our hearts so that we can hear your voice. Open our eyes so that we can see the world as you see it, that we can see all the lost people and the lost souls and all the hurt and the need around us. And then help us to be courageous and give us the strength to step into the plans that you've already made for us. The plans where we get to step up and take your love and your salvation to the world. Father, help us to be brave. Help us to talk to people that we've not spoken to before. Help us to bring you into our every moment of every day. Thank you, Lord, that we know you've got plans to prosper us. But not just us, you've got plans to prosper each and every child of yours, including those that are currently lost and don't even know that they're your children. Father, guide us to help them. Guide us to guide them to you. Father, create in us a burning ambition to fill this church until it overflows, to shine your light into every area of our lives, at home, at work, at play. Father, we hand the authorship of our lives over to you, and we ask that you will help us to live according to that, to have our worldview tinted by Jesus' glasses, and that everything we say, everything we do, will be to honor you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast.